Live from Beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Bill Beverly, Libertarian Eric Cohn, Republican Josh Cantrell, and State Senator-elect Willie Preston, a Democrat from Chicago. Our phone line's open at 1-800-723-8289, coming to you from our home base at AM560 WYND Radio in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Nice to have you with us. We're going to talk about a lot of things tonight in the next couple of hours. We'll be talking about uh, the the attempt by the Biden administration to uh, uh, pay off some uh, student loan debt. It's quite a controversial decision, but both by Democrats and Republicans. We'll get your let you weigh in on that uh, in a very distant, short future, uh, moments ago, moments from here. Uh, uh, we have Eric Cohn with us, uh, Josh Cantrell with us, Phil Beverly is with us, and making his first appearance is State Senator-elect Willie Preston from the uh, the great city of Chicago, and uh, we're going to introduce uh, Willie uh, to our audience in just a little bit, but he has been a frequent uh phone guest on this program. He's been a, a caller to this program and a, a long-time listeners, and we'll talk about that as the program unfolds this evening. But I want to talk, we did not talk, talk too much last week about the Mar-a-Lago uh, raid or, or search, whatever you want to call it, uh, but I do want to talk about it tonight to get reaction, and, and let's, let's go over to the, the treasure trove of top secret and confidential information uh, that was picked up by the FBI. This was this was in the 15 boxes at Mar-a-Lago uh, in January, just a couple of months ago. 184 classified documents, 67 were confidential, 92 were secret, and 25 were top secret. Now, uh, our lawyer tonight is Josh Cantrell. He's also uh, a Republican. Josh, um, what is based on what you have read how upset are you with this case and its effect on Donald Trump's political future? Well, I'm not really all that concerned about Donald Trump's political future because I hope that he doesn't have one. I have moved firmly into the camp where uh, Trump needs to be gone and he's a big drag on the Republican Party. Um, But from a legal standpoint, I've read things on the left, right, and in, in between on this affidavit. And honestly, I don't know whether what he did was illegal or not. But it's clear that what he did was stupid and selfish, which is pretty typical of Donald Trump. And so it's hurting Republicans. The more Donald Trump is in the news, the worse it is for Republicans. And you see that with the congressional polls out, which should be a cakewalk for Republicans, at least in the House is now very tight, and it's just not not good for the party. Phil Beverly, I want to get your reaction. You're the closest thing to a card-carrying Democrat, although we may have two tonight. Uh, your reaction uh, to uh, what you've read in the paper? You're, you're not a Donald Trump fan, but uh, could this end up helping him? Um, I think it helps him raise money. I think it helps him um, attract uh, or activate the, his base a little bit. I think from a legal perspective, I think he's in a little bit of trouble. I mean, I had a clearance at one point in my life. I know what it takes to get one and maintain one. I know how to handle classified materials. 
I, I got to tell you, if I had walked out of my squadron building on a base that's completely secure, just walked out of the building with one of those documents, I'd be in prison. That's just the way it is. And I mean, I, I think he's got to be treated like Sandy Berger here. Sandy Berger didn't get special treatment. Sandy Berger got convicted as he should have been because you don't handle classified information the way it's been handled. Eric Cohn, you're a libertarian. Uh, your reaction to what you read so far? One of the things I'd like people to keep in mind is that we also have a tendency within the federal government to overclassify information. Uh, lots of things that probably don't need to be classified are classified. We find out later on that they were not nearly uh, as salacious or as important or as mission critical as they're often branded to be. So when, when I want people to keep in mind when they hear these classifications, we still have no idea what is actually these documents are about. You know, it, it could be transcripts of his conversations with Kim Jong-un it could be information about nuclear weapons. We just do not know uh, what is actually contained in this information. I think Josh's description of it being stupid and selfish is, as he said, perfectly on brand for Donald Trump. My biggest concern in all of this is that we, if we're going to have faith in this process, we need to be able to trust the people who are serving the search warrant who are conducting the raid the department of justice the fbi and they have been shown repeatedly over time to not be worthy of our trust and that's what concerns me most is that no matter how the process plays out there are a whole lot of people who are just never going to trust the result willie preston also joins us again he is a uh, illinois state senator elect he has no republican challenger in the fall so he joins us without uh, obligation for equal time but he's been a long time listener to this program he loves politics it's in his blood Willie, what's your reaction? Based on what you've read and seen about this, uh, is it much to do about nothing, or do you think it's a serious issue? Well, I think it's a serious issue um, anytime you're talking about a former ex-president having his private residence um, raided, or, you know, if, you, if, if that's the way it's been described. Mm -hmm. And I think it has, um, you know, it's, it's terrible for the country. I think that's first and foremost. Half the country, um, or a little bit, you know, voted for for former President Trump. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, you know, what's the, the true nature of this in, this entire saga that we're now uh, undergoing as a country, I think it's still too early to really say what's what about it. Is this going to be something also, and this is for everybody to respond to, um, uh, a, a classified information? If if you want to prosecute the President of the United States. Uh, after this raid, which is obviously that's never happened before, is a violation of, of classified information and handling it. Is that the type of smoking gun that the American people would accept? I mean, we don't think there's treason in there, but Eric, I mean, uh, would the people really get excited and upset about this? I, no, I don't think this is the kind of thing that you're going to bring a legal case against the former president of the United States over the mishandling of classified information. Phil's reference to Sandy Berger is well taken, but you can go through 
uh, history and find plenty of examples of an inconsistency in how we handle people who have mishandled classified information. Um, obviously, there's uh, not a one-to-one -one comparison between Trump and Hillary Clinton with what Hillary Clinton did with uh, classified information on her email server, but this is largely, again, the thing that they said uh, would not be brought by a prosecutor against uh, any other person. So I, I think there's a lot of room here for malleability, and I think the, the problem is that this just does not Again, unless we find out that he was okay. trying to sell nuclear secrets to the Russians or something like that, Phil, if that's what's revealed in this, I just don't think it's serious enough. Phil Beverly, is this what about? I agree with that. I, I, I want to get Phil's reaction first. Is this what aboutism, Phil? And is it okay? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, Donald Trump has already convinced his base that he could go out on Fifth Avenue and kill somebody, and they'd still vote for him. So anybody that's going to be supportive of him is going to be supportive of him no matter what he does. What there is just a, a Republican line that he can cross. What if that you're he just a what if you're, of his base? What are you, what if it's more than just your base? It's just a base Republican, not necessarily a base MAGA guy. Back shortly. Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. So talk, you can do it if you try. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella, 
I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. My back, uh, 1-800-723-8289 is the phone number if you want to join our conversation. Josh, I uh, interrupted you when uh, Phil was making a comment, so I want to turn the mics over to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what Eric said, but I, I do want to emphasize that the most um, recent example that the public would have seen on this would have been Hillary Clinton, and Hillary yeah. Clinton in that situation, uh, got off. And so I think that given where we are right now as a country, with the fact that the country is so divided, you have people on the left and right talking about civil war, the last thing the country needs is for Donald Trump to be indicted over this. Uh, I'd like to see him just go away, as I said. I think the burger point, again, to draw, uh, put a bow on the Sandy Burger analogy that um, Phil made here is, is a closer comparison than Hillary Clinton. Um, he wasn't convicted. He pled out to a misdemeanor charge of unauthorized removal and retention of classified material from the National Archives. Again, for anyone who doesn't remember this, this is a former Clinton national security advisor right. after 9-11, goes in the National Archives and removes a whole bunch of uh, information, stuffing it into his pants and socks while doing it. He got a $50,000 fine, two years probation 100 hours of community service was stripped of his security clearance for three years and eventually lost his law license if if that is the standard for what Berger did I, I just i cannot see the logic from the justice department in charging the former president of the united states for what we know now now we could learn more information in the future that changes everyone's mind on that but what we know now i just can't see it does this does this call also for a change in the law because i i posed this question a couple of weeks ago uh, if if this is a violation of the National Archives record keeping law, then why weren't there people from that agency at the Trump White House when the transition was taking place? Why why was there even the possibility that somebody could have put something in a box and sent it down to Mar Mar a Lago? That that should that that should be a function of this if if it's important. And by the way, if it's really important stuff. Why did it take 18 months to find it? Have, have those, is there nothing in those documents that warranted uh, someone, uh, someone's action in the last 18 months? Anybody want to weigh in on that? Uh, Josh? Uh, Bruce, Bruce, I was, I thought. Go ahead, Josh first and then Phil. I, I, I just want to make this quick point is that your question goes to the heart of so much of this. There's a lot that we don't know. Yes, we have an affidavit that has been heavily redacted, but we don't really know a lot. And so that's why when this happened and you saw the instinctive reaction, you know, when the when the raid happened and the instinctive reaction from the right was to uh, go after and go after the FBI and deep state and then the left to go after Trump. I mean, it's just we don't know. And I think we have to be humble enough to know that. Uh, Phil, to you. Yeah. I, I I agree with Josh in, in, in that, that we don't have enough information. And um, to, to Eric's point, 
about trust. I, I find it interesting that a particular segment of this country now doesn't have trust in law enforcement. And that was very interesting when law enforcement <laughs> has been particularly egregious with other communities, particularly communities of color for decades. And so now when there was screaming from those communities about you can't trust law enforcement, now all of a sudden somebody else's ox is getting gored. Oh, now we can't trust law enforcement. I, yeah, let's not trust law enforcement. Let's trust no. the process. Let's trust the rule of law. No, but There's Phil, 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 that the process, the let's process, trust that. here's the process that people don't buy. They don't buy the, because of uh, uh, Russiagate, Russiagate, Russiagate. Because of that, this this was a, uh, a a conspiracy, if you will. This was an action of the federal government by the Justice Department, by the FBI. They abused their positions for basically uh, almost all of the Trump administration. So all though there there is a built-in mistrust of the FBI. This is the same agency. This is the FBI. And by the way, here's the thing that scares the hell out of me. Because, we, you know, we want to find out now, uh, I was the first question I asked, how serious are the documents that have already been recovered? Did Donald Trump really take something that is absolutely horrible? Well, guess what? Guess who's going to assess that now? Guess, guess who, who every member of the media is going to now uh, heap all kinds of credibility on? It's the intelligence community. The intelligence community and the members of the intelligence committees on the House and the Senate, according to what uh, 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 Senator Blunt said today of Missouri, Blunt, they're going to they're gonna look at it. Now, do you think they're going to come back and tell the American people, no, there was nothing serious in this? I don't buy that for a moment. They're going, whether the stories Bruce, are real Bruce, or can not, they, can this they is going to be the worst. they say how serious it was? If you've got a, an SCI-level um, document that could have anything in it that that and and let's understand the thing about the classifications isn't always what's in the documents it's the the means and methods sources and methods that we use to get that information that was later turned into intelligence and, and that could compromise sources that's people that's people's lives here's, here's my point that, that, there is a, here's here's my point there isn't any way that the intelligence communities plural there isn't any way that they're going to look at this evidence and say, Donald Trump, there was no big deal here, no big wolf. They're not going to say that. They're not going to say that. And by the way, these are the same agencies on a different political story, but still a very big story. This was on the, on the release and the verification of information uh, about Hunter Biden. This was the group that got together and signed a document, the former leading intelligence agencies in the United States, they all signed a document saying that that was Russian disinformation, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But you Bruce, know what? You they, brought up they're two the, great examples. They're the, the, and, and, we're giving them the credibility. They don't deserve the credibility. Go ahead, John. And, 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 and that's why, because of the Hunter Biden issue and the, uh, the Russia gate, which just went, was a nothing burger, but consumed over two years of Trump's presidency. That is why there are people of good faith on the right who don't even particularly like Trump, like me, who are going to be skeptical about anything the FBI finds. And it's really a sad state of affairs that 
the FBI has reached this low in public standing. And it's not just Republicans. There are a lot of independents who don't trust the FBI. All either. right, I want to come back. I want to. I want to come back to uh, uh, to Willie Preston. Willie, uh, what is the image uh, of the FBI in the black community now? Well, I'm always cautious to speak for the black community. I, right. I think a lot of folks, you know, tend to do that, and I think it, right. it doesn't it doesn't you know, end well. But I will tell you from the, you know, just generally, I don't think that, you know, law enforcement is much trusted in the in the black community. Right. However, when it comes to Trump, there's a, therein lies a different story. If they're saying something negative about Trump, I think that they're more inclined to believe it, which is why I'm very terribly concerned as just an American quite frankly, that if there's anything minus treason, he was selling, former President Trump was selling secrets to foreign actors or anything like that. But if no they don't say anything. No one has suggested that. Well, again, that's why that, I take. That, that, may, that, that may come down the pike. You know, that, we may hit, that might be the October surprise. Well, well, it, well, it, well, I, well, well, if it's not that, I think that this is really, really was a terrible execution of, um, of power. And we can always say, and we should be beyond politics, but everything that is done is political, especially as it relates um, to the to the former president. So if they cannot um, submit to the American people that this is um, some form of treason or was was in place here, I think we're going to have a serious issue. Yeah. And especially as it relates to Trump's base, I think um, um, Dr. Beverly spoke about it and touched on it. If he can, his base is secure with him. If you do not tap into that base and that base is turning away from him. I think that you, you know, you, you're just going to, you've just set up a situation no, where but, you kind of but, related to it. It helped them. But it, it'll yeah, help but, them. But, because, but Josh is talking about it, and I think there's, there's some, some polling that's out for this. Josh is someone who was uh, skeptical of Trump, first of all. He loved him when he was the president. And, and, and January 6th made uh, Josh move away, and the hearings may have caused him to move away. He's not a fan now, but he just said... Because of what happened at Mar-a-Lago, he's giving Trump a second chance. He thinks Trump is being picked on by the the same forces that basically tried to ruin his presidency from day one. And which is exactly my point. Yep. If it's not something that yep. you can directly tie to him as being treason, that he was trying to destroy the country with these documents, I think that it was overkill and going in that, that way and, and, and making um, the plunge. Here's a question for everybody. Eric, I'm going to let you respond to first. Does anybody on this program tonight believe that Donald Trump has read one page <laughs> of the documents that were seized from his house? Does anybody, one page of it? Speak up if you think he's read uh, something. I, I will take... I'll take the over on uh, one page. Um, I would, uh, it, given how many boxes we're talking about here, I, however higher you want to set the over, I don't know that I'm uh, going to take it, though. I mean, if they're, if they're transcripts of his conversations with his favorite dictators from around the world, then it's very likely he has read them over and he's kept them for his own scrapbooking or to decoupage them onto a coffee table or something like that to show friends when they come over to Mar-a-Lago. Um, I, I think there's a decent possibility of that. But I, to go back to Phil's point from earlier, which I think is well taken about what could be contained in these documents that it's not just what's in them but it's methods and sources and all of that that point is well taken but there's a very big narrative problem if they're going to bring a legal case over this that 
We're going to charge and prosecute the former president of the United States for mishandling classified information. Well, what did we mishandle? We can't tell you anything about it. I, at the point of social trust that we have in this country right now, that will tear people apart. Yeah. And it is, you know, it, that's not to say that there couldn't possibly be a solid legal case, you know, stipulating all Phil's points about those documents. We got a pause. Got a pause. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont, we continue with our Beyond the Beltway broadcast this evening. And uh, this is where we let each of our guests take a few moments and uh, explain who they are and why they're with us. 
And uh, Eric Cohn, we're going to begin with you. Tell everybody uh, what you do when you're not guesting on the program. I'm the Director of Marketing and Communications at the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I host our weekly roundtable podcast, Acton Unwind, which comes out every Monday. So if you're interested, you can look for that tomorrow in your podcast feed. And I'm the associate producer of a new documentary uh, entitled The Hong Konger, Jimmy Lai's Extraordinary Struggle for Freedom, uh, about the uh, entrepreneur and uh, newspaper man in Hong Kong, Jimmy Lai, who has uh, ran a pro-democracy newspaper there, currently imprisoned by the Chinese Communist Party for doing so. Josh Cantro, tell us who you are when you're not traveling around the, the country with your family. Bruce, thanks again for having me on the show. Uh, I'm a lawyer practicing here in Chicago. Uh, live in the Lakeview neighborhood, and uh, I am uh, uh, practice technology litigation, and uh, do I have a fair, uh, fairly active Facebook blog, and I do some writing and podcasting, and uh, this show obviously uh, on the Republican side. Okay, and our next two guests are Phil Beverly and Willie Preston, and I'm mentioning their names together because they have a unique relationship. Even though this is the first time they have ever been on Beyond the Beltway, Phil, give us the short version of how you know Willie Preston. Um, I had the opportunity to have Willie in class when I was at Chicago State um, more than once. And as a uh, dedicated political science major, he was one of those students who actually listened to me when I said, yeah, I am, I'm on this show called Beyond the Beltway. You might want to check that out sometime. And as a good student, that's exactly what he did. The rest is, is sort of history here. Well, let's let Willie pick up the story. So well, the professor gives you an assignment. And how many years ago was this? Uh, I want to say it was 10, 15, 10 years ago. 10 years ago? 10, more, well, yeah. no, 12 well, okay. well, probably, probably so you're 11, class, the professor gives you an assignment and you decided that uh, you were going to tune in. That's right. So, um, so dad, I know you're watching. So you see, I was really studying. It wasn't a joke. Um, and <laughs> paying attention. So, um, yeah, I, I met Dr. Beverly, uh, as a political science student, as he indicated and, um, and started watching this show per an assignment that he gave us in the classroom. And I, and I love politics. Um, my father introduced me to politics when I was a little bitty boy sitting on his lap watching a guy with suspenders on called Larry King. And I would, <laughs> and so I was intrigued by politics and I watched the show and I was intrigued um, by your even handedness and how you had everybody on Democrats, Republicans, independents. Um, and I really enjoyed the show and I've been watching ever since. So it was a, it was a real thrill. And also we should mention that, I mean, in, in the last couple of years, uh, you have called and you have been a phone guest on this program. Yes. I think once upon a time you were a guest on this program face-to-face, -face, maybe a couple of years ago, and you are also a sort of a, a prodigious uh, you know, Facebook uh, friend, and uh, you communicate and give your opinions on the program when yeah. uh, things you like and things you dislike. And again, at, just so that the, the political story comes to an end, uh, Willie, uh, Willie has run for office before, but recently... He decided to run for the Illinois State Senate in a Democratic primary, and uh, he won the primary. There is no Republican opposition. It's such a very strong Democratic, uh, you know, uh, state Senate district in Illinois. So you're unopposed. We have no equal time opportunity, yeah. uh, but it's now full circle. You're on with. You're actually on with the professor, 
Yes. Yeah, so this is a this is a surreal <laughs> moment. I am what some probably would describe as a, a Beverlyite, although I think he's a little bit more progressive than I. But nonetheless, uh-huh. he has taught me how to. Um, he gave me some of my learnings uh, how to operate in the political arena, mm-hmm. and I've I've benefited from it. And to my former opponent, they um, suffered because of it. So. Uh, by the way, in the second hour, <laughs> Willie's going to be with us for hour number two this evening, and we're going to get into uh, a lot of subjects above and beyond what we're talking about right now, but we do have callers on the line. Let's go to Brian, who's listening to us from the suburbs in Chicago. Go ahead, Brian. You're on the air. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, one thing I like, to, I'm an independent. I've voted for Democrats as well as Republicans, mm-hmm. and I think there's two sets of rules here. You know, um, Mark Zuckerberg just came out and said that the FBI told him to that some Russian disinformation was coming down the line. So he held a Hunter Biden story, yep. you know, um, and then the second one is, you know, by the way, let me Trump just let me out. let me let me just interject for a moment. I wish that the national news media would have played that story in a more broad way than they did, because it's very, very important when you have someone of Mark Zuckerberg's power and influence acknowledging that the FBI blew in his ear and because of that he killed information on the Hunter Biden story so that millions or the people couldn't read that story big story hopefully we'll talk more about it in the future but go ahead you have a second point and and well, well like I said there's two points uh, two rules for Democrats and Republicans and because of that you know I too was upset at, at the January 6th but I'm willing to give Trump a second chance. I'm an independent. Um, I look at the state of the country right now. Um, you know, it's in shambles. Now, I didn't like some of the stuff he did in the past, Trump. But right now, I feel that they're out to, you know, pr- prosecute him and to make sure he doesn't run again. And I'm not the only one. I travel for a living. I go all, all over the country. I work in the power industry. So I talk to a lot of people. And a lot of people were upset about January 6th, and they're turning the tide now and saying they're going to give him a second chance because they feel that he's persecuted. Brian, I have to tell you that, and I want to get everybody's reaction, you are the pivotal person in American politics right now. I mean, everybody, every pollster, every media person, every Democrat, every Republican, they all want to know how you feel. You have just articulated your story, but your story is also a story uh, that is that is duplicated by uh, we don't know whether it's tens of millions or, or uh, you know thousands of people, but ever ever it it is what's on a lot of people's mind, and I appreciate your sharing it with us tonight. Now let's go to Phil Beverly and let him uh, uh, try to talk you out of it. Go ahead, Phil. I I wish that there was uh, we could look at this in sort of the totality of of Mar-a-Lago, for example, as a single incident, that raid did not happen in a vacuum. It happened apparently as the result of the, the violation of a subpoena that was issued by a judge. Again, this is to me about process. So we, we, can, we can spin on the, the different sorts of single issues. Well, was the information really need to be classified or was it really that important or was it really... And instead of looking at the totality of of this, you're not supposed to take classified material out of places, especially stuff that's SCI. It's got to be in a skiff, period. There's there's not an exception to that. 
It's not my lockbox under the bed or the, the thing by the pool. It's got to be in a skiff. There's a there's rules. There's federal regulations about what a skiff is. And so let's not sort of minimize that. Yeah, this is important just in terms of process that if it were a single thing and you go, oh, yeah, oversight, we were packing late and this is what happened. That's one thing. But there's too much here. And to 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 play the card. Oh, poor him. He's being persecuted. No, he's not. He's not a good politician. Okay, let's he's not go to, being let's persecuted. Go, let, he's just not really good at the job. Let's and his let's party to, is suffering for it. Let's go to Josh now and respond to uh, uh, what what Brian had to say. Um, well, let, let me just say that I agree with my friend Phil um, about the party suffering for this. There's, and I made that point earlier in my yes, opening comments. But I would say to the caller, look, I. I'm, I'm in your boat as well, because I am ready to be done with Donald Trump. But I also recognize that, I, in my view, he was persecuted throughout his presidency. Throughout his presidency, these, with, with the, the whole uh, Russiagate thing, and then, the, and then the first impeachment over a phone call, the media was against him, the press and the Democrats got together to kill stories and to promote Biden. And I, I don't know. I mean, to, to me, this is I, I do not trust the FBI here. I just don't. And they haven't given me reason to trust it. Eric Cohn. I think to, for Brian, I'm certain there are people like Brian who out there who are seeing this and thinking, as Josh, Josh said, that Trump is being persecuted and um, it, they want to give him another chance for that. I think there are going to be a lot of people out there, too, who are going to look at this, who are going to look at the media cycle of the last couple of weeks and, you know, re that reminder of how crazy it was when Trump was president and is going to make them ask themselves the question, do I really want to go through this again for another four years, especially when there would be an easy off ramp for them to take with somebody like a Ron DeSantis, um, who's going to give them a good amount of the Trumpiness that they want but is going to do it without a lot of the baggage that Trump is going to carry with him. I tend to believe there are going to be more people like that than there are uh, articulating what Brian said. But I find myself in the Bill Buckley School of Prognostication here of only predicting the things I want to have occur. <laughs> <laughs> Willie, your, your reaction to uh, what's, what's going on in the body politic and the concerns you have? Well, I, I, I listened to Brian, and I, and I think when we talked um, earlier, I think someone mentioned about mentioned the fact that some folks, you know, went away from Trump after January 6th, which I, I completely understand that. But I often think about this from a, a political lens and a campaign lens. You walk away from Trump because of January 6th only until Trump runs again, and it's only he and another Democrat on the ballot. So I don't know that people truly walked away, even if I listened to my friend on the panel. You walked away from Trump, but you sound pretty empathetic to him. That's why I think this wasn't the greatest move. I think Democrats, we should be talking about all the great things that Joe Biden is getting done, if that's really the end game for us. Okay, we've got to pause. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight on Beyond the Beltway.
Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings. The kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Bruce Dumont back, and we have callers on the line. Let's head way west to Carmel, California, where Mark is listening to us. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Bruce, thanks so much. Um... So, you guys, let's go back to 2015 when uh, when Comey came out and did his 12-minute indictment of Hillary Clinton. Yes. And then uh, exonerated her. Right. Okay, and then before Trump was inaugurated, we had a, a congressperson who called for his impeachment prior to his inauguration. Yes. Then you move on to the two years of Russia, 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 which turned out to be two years of, of false trails. Then you had... Two false impeachments, which resulted, they were just show trials for Nancy Pelosi and company. 
Now we have the January 6th committee, which is, they call it kindly, the unselect committee, because, you know, there's seven seven uh, Democrats and, and the two rhinos that were placed on the committee because they wouldn't accept the people that the Republicans wanted on the committee. And they're doing that. It's an ABC production. It's all over the place. And then this is, listen, I'm... I was not a Trump supporter. I was a Ted Cruz guy, mm-hmm. but I was very happy with tr- what Trump accomplished under duress. And frankly, if not for the COVID thing coming down the pipe, Trump would be into his sixth year of his eight-year term right now. Um, yes, I'm mad about uh, Mar-a-Lago, and I'm mad about the seventh floor at the FBI. I love the FBI employees. But the seventh floor has got to go. Okay. Do you, but do you agree with, with what Willie said, and that is when it comes right down to it, uh, even people who don't like Trump and, and are holding their nose, uh, if they have to choose between him and Joe Biden or him and Kamala Harris, they're going to pick Donald Trump. Absolutely. Okay. So Donald Trump really is he's not really losing a lot of stuff right now. The fact that he's okay. So just look at their actions. Judge people by their actions, not their words. I do. Yeah, I wish he didn't Trump. I wish he didn't tweet like a crazy man. (laughs) But my God, I feel like we're much more dangerous world right now than we were two years ago. We have all these bad actors out there running amok that 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 President Trump seemed to have somewhat corralled. And then the debacle of the, the Afghanistan and our withdrawal from there. And if you dig into the minutiae, you, you realize he had a prid, quid pro quo set up for departure, but it wasn't get the military out first. Mm-hmm. You know, if you dig down to any given issue and you look about the stuff that's not being reported by the mainstream media, you find out that there is so much more meat on the bones than is being told to the American public. Well, the other thing which, which which worries me, and I said it about 15 minutes ago, uh, the media, the national media, tends to go to certain sources to authenticate a story. They'll go to the New York Times. They'll go to the Washington Post. It's never to the San Francisco Examiner. It's never to any other paper. It's to those two papers. And then when they want And that's how they got the FISA warrant. And Bruce. that's right. That's and how then, they and, got the FISA warrant. And then when they want to know what's really going on, they go to the intelligence communities, and the intelligence communities have a lot to hide up, hide away. And the fact when you're asking them to, to, to vote up or down on the importance of what was released, there isn't, there isn't a person in that group that's going to say Donald Trump did not walk away with the state secrets. I mean, they're all, they're going the to heat The race. fox guarding the hen house. They're going to absolutely over, overreact it. We've got to say farewell to you. Thank you very much for your call. From Carmel, Thank California. you, Bruce. Brian in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Nice to hear from you, Brian. Hey, good evening. Hi. Uh, I'd like to paint a different picture. Uh, you know, I was taught to judge people by the company they keep. So let's talk about the company Donald Trump keeps. Uh, Alan Weisselberg is number one man in the, in the Trump organization. Convicted felon. <laughs> His attorney, Michael Cohn, convicted felon. And the list goes on and on and on. His campaign manager... Paul Manafort, convicted felon. Uh, Donald Trump's a very sick man, and I think he took these documents for purely childish reasons, just because he could. Reports are that he had them all mixed up with 
regular reading material. There was no order or organization to anything. It was just piles of junk from the uh, last January documents that he delivered. Who did that, uh, Brian? Who remember, did that? Brian, who did that? Did what? Who, who, who messed all the papers up like you're alleging? Donald Trump. Look at his life. All these, all these, all so these you things believe, he gets involved so, with. So the answer are to my, so the answer to my, the answer to my question of the segment ago was: You believe that Donald Trump has read those papers? He knows what's in those papers. He's looked through them. He's looked through them. <laughs> is there any well, record? My, my, is, right. is there any record that Donald Trump has ever looked through any uh, advanced documentation that he's ever been sent? Any any intelligence? Well, briefing? why don't you add, let's get Mike Pompeo on the show, who had to personally spoon feed him his intelligence briefings in the morning. That was the story that was reported. I'm sure um, that was, I'm sure I'd that like was to true. say that right, and you know, you you put out a lot of half truths on your show. Which one? Uh, the first, the Mueller report did not exonerate Donald Trump. That was Bob Barr giving him room to weasel out of it, and then the popular media just laid just laid down and said, "Okay, you know." And then, but if you really want to know, look at the Senate Senate Intelligence Committee investigation of what happened. It's much more damning of Donald Trump. Uh, why don't you watch the uh, Helsinki press conference where he stood next to Vladimir Putin and said he would take his word over his own intelligence committees? I mean, Donald Trump is a mess. There is no way he'll ever get elected president again. I've heard that less than half of most registered Republicans want him to be president. Josh, so if you throw in the independents and the Democrats, he will never win. The guy Brian, is sick. Brian, and okay. it's just amazing just that so many Americans... One second. Let's let Josh Cantor respond to what you've said. Go ahead, Josh. Okay. So, so I, I think Brian's... Uh, I appreciated calling in because he represented what I call the Trump derangement syndrome viewpoint and that we, we heard the greatest hits there but i would say this i mean bob Mueller spent two years investigating donald trump over russia and he absolutely was exonerated on that where it was no he more questionable what's on the obstruction issue um and Mueller said he couldn't you know uh, uh confirm or deny either way on that point Brian, I want to interrupt. We have to say farewell. Thank you for your comments. Hopefully you'll call this program again. Always nice to hear from those that don't agree with everything we have to say. Appreciate it. Our thanks to Josh Cantrell, Phil Beverly. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Willie Preston and Eric Cohen will be with us in hour number two. Don't go away. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. 
Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 828.22. Restrictions apply. Call for details. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Vermont back. We continue uh, with Eric Cohn with us in hour number two and uh, Willie Preston. And it looks like uh, Josh Cantro is sticking around as well. That's, that's good news. Uh, let me begin by asking the, the question. I want to get everybody's reaction. Willie, I'm going to start with you. Uh, one of the big stories last week is the Biden administration. They want to p- propose uh, uh, paying $10,000 to some students who have uh, loans. They want to spend $20,000 other students who have Pell loans, uh, and uh, it's based on uh, what their income is. It's either $125,000 or it's $75,000. You're a father of six. I don't know whether your kids are going to college yet. I don't think they are. Not yet. As a Democrat, what's your reaction to that idea? Is it a good idea? Thank you, President Biden. Um, well, the recent Facebook status that I posted, and I think that it was a great idea. And the reason being, you have a ton of folks who have, first of all, I think about someone like Senator Mitch McConnell, whose tuition was probably 300 bucks, and he used his education to get, to, to get him you know, where he is today. Yeah. And I think that there are a ton of Americans across the country, and we all understand that the pathway to a middle-class lifestyle and you know, opportunities beyond, you know, it is through the vehicle of education and to make education in this country unaffordable to the majority of people who don't have wealth already, I think it's, um, I actually think it's a matter of national defense. 
I think that when you start to see what this country did, I talked to my great uncle, and he talked about, and they come from Mississippi, and he talked about the couple months they did get to go to school. Um, beyond that, they had to go chop, pick cotton, and do those sort of things. Mm-hmm. But this country got better at it, and we benefited from it because we started to understand that we were going to educate our people, and we took off like a rocket all the ingenuity that comes from this country that's come from this country, it's because of direct policies of making sure that Americans were able to be educated. So but if I'm you a- look at what China and other countries have started to do, they figured out, well, we need to educate our people. We cannot have a country where people are full of debt um, because they were not born wealthy. And I think that this is a great thing. And politically speaking, I think that the president has really made a real, um, a, a, a real olive branch to younger voters, those that will participate in a presidential race, whereas they won't in other races. Josh Cantrell, your reaction to uh, the, uh, the student loan bailout? Well, with, with respect to um, the um, future Senator Preston, um, this was not an olive branch. This was a bribe, and it was using government money to do it. And it is completely unfair to all of those folks who either paid off their student loans, went to lower price colleges so that they could uh, deal with affordability. It is unfair to all of those people in America who did not go to college who will be paying for this. And I think that uh, Ron DeSantis put it very well in his tweet. And it's very simple, and this is what Republicans are gonna run on. It's unfair to force a truck driver to pay a loan with someone who got a PhD in gender studies. And that literally is what is going to happen as a result of this. But I don't think it's a done deal. I think there's going to be legal challenges. And you see many Democrats like Tim Ryan in Ohio running away from this as fast as they can. Eric Cohn, your reaction? Yeah, this move is like it has been uh, created in a lab to drive me insane. Um, First of all, it's illegal. The president does not have the authority to just do this. And using the HEROES Act and the COVID-19 pandemic as an attempt at a justification is the kind of thing that should be laughed out of court and that I think will be laughed out of court. Uh, secondly, it the thing that drives me, I think, the most crazy about this is if I take try to take seriously the arguments of people who are in favor of this, who think that the system that is, as is constructed now is so nefarious and so predatory and is running up this massive amount of debt for so many people. And so we're going to decrease it by $10,000 for individuals making up to $125,000 a year and people who file jointly making up to $250,000 a year. The minute that that happens, the moment afterwards, a bunch of people are going to go take out the exact same kinds of loans. Nothing has been done to address the system. Nothing has been done to address the problem. And in what, uh, with respect to what Willie said earlier, Mitch McConnell paying $300 for uh, his tuition. One has to adjust that for inflation, for one. But two, this does nothing to contain what is driving up costs, which has been the fact that 93% of these loans are being guaranteed now by the government. Universities know that this is basically a guaranteed revenue stream and they act like they act accordingly. So this is in addition to being illegal, it should aggravate everybody. And in addition to being um, the kind of political service that Willie described it as, a bribe as Josh described it as, it is a giveaway to generally well-off people, to people in the middle and upper middle class largely. It is just, it should infuriate everyone. 
uh, willing. Yeah, no, I think that's um, as someone eloquently said, who's now president, a bunch of baloney. I think that the realities are that this Americans have watched corporations get corporate welfare for decades and bailouts and make certain that companies. That has nothing to do with this. Well, to, to the average American voter, they'll view it like that. So I'm happy to see Republicans run on. We don't want to help folks who are indebted because they went to improve their um, qualities of life by going to be educated. What do you think about those that are suggesting, though, that the people that are going to be using this are people that are already well healed or they're 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 high up in the middle class. They're not poor people. Well, I don't you know, I don't know that, especially as you look at the way that the plan was laid out um, as it relates to like Pell Grants, for instance, you have to have some qualifications of being, you know, low income to actually to qualify start, to get right. it. So that I think is, um, you, know, uh, you know, something that we, we shouldn't have to worry about. But again, I do agree with um, one of the one of the guests. I think it was Josh who mentioned um, we do need to get a, a, on a more broader um, scope. We need to figure out how to make, you know, education more affordable in this country. But I think in the pro, in, in that. But process, how do you how do you do that? How do you get the attention of uh, universities that have hundreds of billions of dollars in, in endowment funds? How do you get their attention after you've made this deal with them? Because Eric is right. They can just raise the tuition an extra $2,000. Well, it I, isn't going to reduce anything. Well, I think that's something that lawmakers would have to take a look at in those type of practices. Well, what are they waiting for? Well, I, you know, I can't speak for other lawmakers, but I think in Illinois we would definitely need to take a look at what our colleges are doing. We should audit our colleges. And we know that this is a problem. We know that um, the cost of education continues to rise. And I can tell you, quite frankly, as someone who went to college um, here in Illinois, uh, plenty of, many of these degrees are worthless. And we really should look at why we allow in public um, institutions, for instance, to offer degrees that don't really matter in the economy today or tomorrow. So I think that's something Amen we should talk to about. That. Everybody's yeah. shaking your head to that. Go ahead, Eric. You were shaking your head. No, I, I I agree. I mean, it's the, the jokes about not just gender studies degrees, but underwater basket weaving and, you know, uh, late medieval feminist poetry or whatever some of these studies uh, or degrees from the humanities departments are that aren't going to guarantee employment down the road. Yeah, I mean, th there's a lot of problems in higher education, a whole lot that could be and, and that needs uh, to be looked at. I want to get reaction from the audience. 1-800-723-8289. Do you think the idea of student loan forgiveness is a good idea or a bad idea. Give us your experience. Back shortly. Oh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. 
If you're talking, they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy, so we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. So talk, you can do it if you try. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We're back, Bruce Dumont. Uh, Josh, I think you said this was like, like a bribe. Uh, does anybody disagree with it? Like, Willie, you disagree with it. If you don't think it's a bribe. Well, I think that, you know, it's quite often characterized by folks who oppose something that something is done out of a bribe. I think if you look at some of the measures that President Trump took during his presidency, things were described as a bribe. Even if you think about the First Step Act, that was considered a, and I heard this rumblings, that was considered a bribe to the black community. I don't believe that it's a bribe. I believe that it's good public policy because it brings down debt from Americans and allows folks to have a stronger footing. What we don't want is a country where folks are buying mortgages um, and never able to get, get their self financially here's stable. A que- here's a question I have. Okay. okay. I, I, I understand how this could be viewed. If, if you have a loan and you're going to get 10000 or $20,000 off of that loan, I can understand why you would like this. It's, you're, you're getting ten or $20,000 uh, as a benefit to you and your family. What I don't understand from a political standpoint, if you've got a whole bunch of politicians around thinking about that, that someone would not have said, you know what, for every person who's going to like this idea, there's going to be 10, 15, 20, 50 people who hate the idea because they've busted their butt, they've paid off their loan or paid down to their loan, they've been paying down for it for yeah. 10, 15 years, and these people are going to say, wait a minute, why does, why does this guy across the street get 2000 or you know, $2,000 or $1,000, 10000 rather, or $20,000? Why do they get a Or they're in the 62%. 
or, or yeah, or, or they're or, in the sixty-two percent of the country that doesn't have a college degree and has yes. no student loan debt, right? Yeah, or well, went to a trade, or went to a trade, or went, or went, or went to a trade school. I'm going to get Willie's response, then we'll go to you, Josh. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that there's always going to be some tension when you're thinking about how resources are allocated. We all, in some way, benefit, right? I don't take public transportation, but I pay into it. So we have to look at it from that regard, too. There are a ton of things that someone in this country can benefit from um, or, or, or not directly benefiting from, but they're paying for it. That's why we are all... How about the way the individual person feels about it? They feel that they got screwed. Well, I think that that's something that folks are going to have to... I, I, look, I think that when you... Anything... I, listen, as an elected... Well, soon to be elected official, I start to think about these issues differently, right? If I support one thing, if I talk to someone and they ask me to support something, in my mind I'm thinking, if, I, if you love me, who hates me? And that's the decision that the president has made in his yeah. team. And I'll tell you, he chose to extend an olive branch, not a bribe, um, to folks who had uh, have student well, loan debt. Let, let me explain. And I think it is. And I think it's smart. And I think it's. I think it's going to work for him. What's a Josh? Okay. Josh, go ahead. Look to address your CTA example. The CTA, yes, you pay into it. You don't use it. But you know what? That was a decision that either Chicago aldermen or that the state made through legislative action uh, signed by the governor or by the mayor in that instance. What we have here is an executive order. This is something Biden never could have gotten through Congress. So the reason I call it a bribe is the very suspicious timing of it, just three months before the midterm elections. And number two, the fact that he did it by executive order all by himself. And uh, it's meant to benefit one particular group. And I'm not even sure they're going to get the benefit because, like Eric, I think it's illegal and it's going to probably be. Well, how, how, how cynical is this, then? If this happens 100 days before the election and you have people, even on this panel, suggesting that it's going to go to a court, I can't imagine that this Supreme Court would sign off on this. Then aren't you just, aren't you really, aren't you just really playing with people's emotions, Willie? When you, you, you come up with a political idea, you know damn well it isn't going to pass muster. But, it, it frankly, it jacks up all these people who think they're going to get 10000 or $20,000 off, uh, you know, their, 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 their loan. And it's a bunch of BS. It's never going to happen. What well, sort of leadership is that? Well, I'll tell you, if it plays out that way, and, and if it's true that the president and his team believes that it's not going to um, pass constitutional um, standards, then, quite frankly, yes, I'd, I'd agree. But I don't know that that's the case. I say bring on, let, let the courts address it then. But I can tell you this, there's always some executive um, authority being used, and that's what the nature of our, uh, of our, of our democracy um, calls for. We have presidents sending folks to war without going to the Congress, and that has often been viewed as an overreach. If, we can, if a president can unilaterally send troops, our brave young men and women to go out to foreign States and you know and, and act engage in war without the Congress. I think that President Biden helping some folks who are ha who have some student um, um, debt from from going to college to try to improve the qualities of life. I think we should allow it to play sending on the Eric, Eric. 
deploying the military, at least in the way that it has been done over the course of basically the last 20 years, the way been has done. been empowered by these authorizations for use of military force. So they are empowering the president to do these things. I bemoan the fact on a daily basis that, as Yuval Levin put it in Commentary Magazine, Congress is weak because its members want it to be. They have farmed out so much of their power and responsibility to the president of the United States, and we have created this imperial presidency. But at least in those cases, and while I think that it should be an act of war by Congress in order to have these sustained military um, engagements that we have had, at least Congress passed something to empower the president to do it. The president has no power to do this. They are, if you read their legal interpretation, it is the kind of thing that it's not a lie, but you know that it's BS. It, it's hard to believe that they actually think that it will pass muster. I do not think that it will. But this is one of the biggest problems I think we have right now is that Congress is farming out its power and the president is trying to take more and more of it. This is not the way our system was designed to work. Is this something that you think will trickle down to, to state actions, that individual states will come in and try to provide this uh, support? I mean, if, you, if you, you're going to Springfield, Willie, I mean, is this something you would support in Springfield? You think that's an idea that the state of Illinois, if, if, the, if the courts strike this executive order down, would you like to see something like this uh, tried on the statewide level? Well, sure. I think that we want to. But I'll tell you, that in terms of me as a lawmaker and making decisions, I would try to, I would take a look at, you know, I would listen to all sides. That's first and foremost. But I, I think that we should do something about student debt. But I, if I were to support something like this, I would also like to include in it some type of rules that we make certain that we improve higher education overall, as we spoke to earlier. I wouldn't want to support this without some type of stipulations that we are not, again, having degrees being, you know, folks going to school to get innocuous degrees that won't yield to them doing um, better in life and contributing to our, our greater society. So. Some of these degrees that don't do anything for anyone, they don't, they, they have no place in our economy anymore. No, I don't think, I think we'd have to have work out something where those are phased out and don't qualify. Should government, for, whether for, it's for a, public loan, should government, whether it's at the federal level or the state level, if it turns out that way, should uh, colleges and universities have to explain the level of their endowments and how their endowments are supposed to be spent? Because every college that has an endowment, and most of them have fairly healthy endowments, they all have the ability to reduce tuition. They have the ability to reduce loans to their students. Well, I think that, you know, you, you obviously you have to separate the, the institutions. Some are public, some are private. I think you have to, you, have to you, know, view, you know, view them that way as well. But also, who's contributing to these endowments, and then would you you know, inadvertently, you know, destroy the opportunities for, for colleges and universities to um, receive support towards their endowments. So I don't know the answer to that just right now. But there's $22 billion sitting in college endowment funds. $22 billion can pay off an awful lot of loans. Well, but Bruce, when you think about it, you say it's $22 billion. Yeah. In, in, so you think about, let's say, okay, let's say Northwestern. Um, and then let's say Chicago State University. Okay. Two dramatically different endowments, Absolutely. I would imagine. 
And so, you know, I wouldn't want to put a, a one-size-fit-all rule out there without being a little bit more thoughtful in how it might impact these two different institutions very dramatically, this one-size-fits-all rule. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a huge proponent on that. And I think we have to, you know, as I'm sitting here, I would think a little bit more, um, I have to have some more facts to actually answer that question. But I can't support that right now. I Eric to, no. Cohen is a libertarian. Would you support something like that, that the government would come in and dictate to a private university, how they can spend their endowment? Uh, no, of course okay, not. Okay, well. Um, also <laughs> to the point, of, if there's $22 it. billion in there, total student loan debt being held right now is $1.75 trillion. Okay, so while it's not insignificant, we are not talking about enough to really make uh, a bump in this. But may, if I may offer an alternative policy proposal here, um, for people who really are struggling with this and really truly are struggling to pay it back and not like, you know, the the average law student debt, uh, which is about $145,000 on somebody who's going to make a lot of money in their future operating as a lawyer, the ones who are really struggling, make this stuff dischargeable in bankruptcy. Right now, student loan debt is not dischargeable in bankruptcy. If you really are in those dire financial straits, then make it a case where if you can go file bankruptcy, then you can discharge this debt. But to do what we're doing and just take it and transfer it over to the average taxpayer is just, it should drive everybody insane. Do you agree I with think that? Your idea is terrific. I support that. But I also am intrigued by Bruce's comment, which you've made several times about these endowments. These endowments are really enormous. And I'm not in favor, um, because I've got a libertarian streak too, Eric. I'm not in favor of just the government saying, hey, you got to do this or that with your endowment. But keep in mind that a lot of these universities get tax rates. Northwestern, where I'm going to be uh, having the honor of paying Northwestern tuition in about two weeks, my son. <laughs> Look, they get huge tax breaks from Evanston and from other governmental entities. So I think there is some quid pro quo there. We've got to pause. 1-800-723-8029. Do you have student debt? Have you paid it all off? Are you smiling tonight? Back shortly from Chicago. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 828-22. Restrictions apply. Call for details. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. 
affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Christelmont back. Uh, Josh, you mentioned something in the last uh, segment about uh, Tim Ryan, who's running for the U.S. Senate uh, in Ohio, and uh, he's running a much more contested race than a lot of people thought uh, uh, against uh, the Republican uh, supported by uh, Donald Trump, um, uh, Vance. Uh, is, does, Tim Ryan is one of the Democrats who opposes the school uh, bailout program, the school loan program. And a number of other Democrats, some of whom are running for the U.S. Senate, have also come out. There was a long list mentioned on the Sunday morning shows today of Democrats who oppose this idea because uh, of the the fairness issue I referenced in the last segment. That's correct. There are a number of Democrats that have done it. And Tim Ryan, uh, as you mentioned, but also I believe Jason Furman, who was high up in the Obama administration in the budget office, has come out against it in pretty harsh language, actually. And they're saying the same thing, basically, that uh, Eric and I are. I mean, the unfairness of it. Uh, Some have talked about the illegality. um, But uh, they're also concerned about the politics. I mean, look, uh, how do you explain this to the truck driver who didn't go to college and is working very hard, or other blue-collar workers or people who paid their loans off, or went to less expensive colleges, or lived within their means, or whatever, or went and got a degree that they could actually earn some money on. I mean, the the truth is, is that this is so, was done in such, um, you know, it's it's like a one-size-fits-all approach instead of a more targeted approach, which would have been something like what Eric suggested with the discharge and bankruptcy. Well, the the commercials... The commercials that I saw today on some of the Sunday morning shows are, I mean, they're, they're right at the, at the blue-collar heart. I mean, they, they're, they're painting the, the pictures of uh, these, you know, hard, hard-working white uh, or, or blue-collar workers 
uh, who are frustrated uh, that this this is being this is being perceived already uh, as something that is going to be favorable to the rich. And again, the, the, put... it's an it's an odd position for the Republicans to be in. But that's why I think politically, I think this was a, a, a very huge mistake by the president. Eric, let me put a finer point on what Josh was saying there. Your average bachelor's degree debt is about twenty nine thousand dollars. OK, it's when you start getting into higher levels of education that you get some of these numbers that are shocking. Graduate student loan debt is seventy one thousand law school, one hundred forty five medical school, two hundred thousand dollars. But your average bachelor's degree debt is about twenty eight, twenty nine thousand dollars. So for the person who doesn't go to college and isn't seeking the entry into that kind of stable middle class lifestyle through there, that person starts a small business. They buy a truck for a landscaping business that they're starting. Ford F-150 runs you around $30,000. So we're going to give, we're going to take uh, $10,000 of taxpayer money. We're going to transfer $10,000 off of the person who got a degree in English uh, from some university and transfer that to the taxpayers. But we're going to do nothing for the person who took out $30,000 in an auto loan to start their landscaping business. Now, I'm not in favor of writing down $10,000 or transferring the responsibility for $10,000 to that person's auto loan. I oppose that for the same reason that I am opposing what President Biden is trying to do here. There are fairness problems to it. And I I do really think this is the kind of thing that is going to bite them because it mm-hmm. may get some more of you know the young college educated people out to vote in the midterms. But boy, are you gonna anger a whole lot of people who are going to say, yeah. Why was I a sucker and work to pay off my debt? Why am I paying for my kids' debt and they're not going to get relief like this because this is one time only? It, it, this is just, it is not smart politics in it, my book. Yeah, I agree. I think also at a time when Americans are at each other's throats, this is no time to, this is this is taking class warfare and just rubbing your, your nose in it. I don't think this helps cure the country or bring the country together. I think it just, it makes some people in America maybe hate other Americans out of jealousy, out of resentment, whatever it is. But the frustration level, I think, is is very high. But you don't you, you're not seeing it that way. Well, well, no, I'm not. And I think what also, are you hearing this from constituents or is this more personal uh, observation? No, because you're, you have six, you have six children. No, and, no, uh, I'm hearing this from I'm hearing this from constituents. I think this is for for most Democrats. This is viewed as the president. Um, helping to raise the living standards of middle-class folks who have opted to go to college and have taken on this debt because that was the only way possible for them to actually access this higher education because they were not born rich. They were, you know, you think about a suburban mom who and two-parent household who happen to have three children and can't afford the exuberant cost of college, and they qualify for those um, loans. They took them out. They're doing their best to pay them back. But you know what? Now they're in their you know, late 20s, early 30s. They still are looking at 20 more years of paying this debt off. Um, and they don't think that that's, that's, that's practical and fair. And so this will help them begin to get out of their parents' houses, out of their parents' homes, afford to buy their own homes now because they're not um, settled with all of this debt. And I Would think you support more money? Because a lot of progressives, uh, including the Black Caucus, they wanted fifty thousand dollars. Well, you know what? I'm 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 not opposed to it. I'll tell you that. Okay. Uh, I'd like to make certain that 
I take into account other factors. I, you know, I don't have, particularly in the 16th district, I have some, you know, folks that may be a little bit more conservative in their, in, in their regard, and I would also mm-hmm. have to take into that into account as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from a, a measured approach, and I think most Americans are ultimately going to find this policy as a leg up for people who are deserving. Mm-hmm. And if this is the issue where we're talking about who is deserving of support, uh, I think it's going to boil down to the president is going to be viewed politically as somebody who was supporting folks that are tr- working, not asking for a handout, but working to get themselves into the middle class. Eric, do you believe that at this moment uh, uh, you're following the story of at least uh, the national news media and the, the wide variety of newsletters that are out there, of which you, I'm sure you read some of them, where they're basically saying that what was once predicted as a Republican wave is now most likely, uh, if not a blue wave, uh, the idea of the Republicans winning big in November is uh, fast fading. It isn't really going to happen. Do you do you buy that analysis by the national news media? Uh, to some extent, yes. Um, it's going to be very hard for the Republicans not to take back the House, uh, just given the fact that it's a five-seat majority for Democrats. And the average gain in uh, a uh, president's midterm year, I think, is somewhere around 35 seats, something like that. Um, the other thing to factor in is the Republicans really outperformed people's expectations in 2020. They won a lot of House races in 2020. People weren't expecting them to win. You would expect them to hold those, but they aren't going to go into the column of, you know, the uh, the sweet uh, seat swing that you're looking at on election night. So if you get a 15 seat, 20 seat um, uh, plus victory for Republicans, you can factor in a number of seats that they won in in 2020. The big risk for the Republicans is primarily in the Senate. And that's where they've shot themselves in the foot by picking some really terrible candidates who are probably going to, uh, in in the same way people like Sharon Angle did in 2010, fritter away winnable races because they're bad candidates. Who are the really bad candidates that you think are out there? Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, Herschel Walker in Georgia, uh, Brian Kemp, the governor in uh, Georgia, is running about 10 points last time I checked ahead of Herschel Walker. Uh, Blake Masters in Arizona. Um, You've nominated a number of people here. And even J.D. Vance is a risk. That's a Trump plus eight state from the last Mm -hmm, election. And he's running about three, four points ahead of Tim Ryan right now. He should be running almost probably six to eight points ahead of him. They have really made, taken a risk here, and it's probably going to cost them. Yeah, but I would again, just like what, to what, add go ahead, what Eric uh, said. I agree with it 100%. I made that same point when I was on the show about three or four weeks ago. This is like watching a slow-moving train wreck happening, and it's so reminiscent, as Eric pointed out, to what happened in 2010. Sharon Angle, Christine O'Donnell in, in, uh, in Delaware, who was alleged to be a witch. I mean, candidates who denied the, the, the pain and the real, who denied rape, basically, in Indiana, in Missouri. It was just incredible. But what are, they de- what, are they de- what are they denying I mean, it, now? It is, why are they, I, why so, are they so bad the now? Party. Why are they and so bad? Josh, why are they bad so now? You, you've painted and you've told the history of what happened, uh, you know, uh, two or four years ago with bad Senate candidates. But what do we know? Uh, what do we really know about the quality of these candidates that are running? I mean, uh, everyone seems to to think that Herschel Walker may be the dumbest person ever to run for the Senate, 
And I don't know whether you believe that or not, well, Willie, but uh, that's, that's a race where whoever oh, wins is going to be an African-American senator. Yes, and I think the senator from Georgia will remain uh, Reverend Warnock because Herschel Walker is not as, um, he, he's not going to win that race. And I can tell you more. Why, right, not? Why do you say that? Um, because he's demonstrated that he doesn't understand what a senator is and should be doing. And he's so fixated on making certain that he's with Trump today and then that he wants someone else tells him something he should be saying different and he changes his message. Warnock is steady. I think he's done a good job in the Senate. And I'll tell you just more broadly, the Democrats are going to overperform in a way that they shouldn't, quite frankly, because historically we understand that once the president takes uh, office from the other opposite party tends to do well in the off cycle. It's not going to happen. And reason being because the Supreme Court, when they've denied millions of women, women who are not going to ever get an abortion but have sent the message to them that they don't care about their personal health care and that they want to make decisions for them, I think that they've helped the Democrats a lot. I think President Biden, although it was slow, he's kicking with grease right now, and I think he's going to close this um, political season down strong, and I think it's going to be to the great benefit. And I agree with my Republican friends here. They have ter- put up terrible candidates. They're cash-strapped, and the Democrats are going to do quite well. Okay, that's uh, Willie Preston, Illinois State Senate-elect. He has no challenger in the fall. Can't have a fundraiser, Willie, if you have no challenger. Back shortly. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 8-28-22. Restrictions apply. Call for details. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. 
I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Rooster Montback, it's our last segment tonight, and uh, Josh uh, Cantro and uh, uh, Willie Preston, Illinois State Senator-elect, and Eric Cohn also uh, join us tonight. Uh, Eric, uh, let's take a moment, because you uh, you reside in uh, in the state of Michigan, uh, having lived many years in Illinois, so let's take a moment and ask you to give us kind of an update on uh, what's happening in Michigan, because at the beginning of the cycle, uh, a lot of Republicans were, were licking their chops over... Uh, of the Michigander state. Uh, it's been a bit of an adventure. Uh, there were a number of candidates in the gubernatorial field um, because of an issue relating to petition signatures to get people on the ballot. Three candidates were removed from the gubernatorial field, which really kind of throw the whole thing into a toss up. Uh, there was uh, one candidate who was running who was at the Capitol on January 6th. And of course, in our uh, current politics, where all incentives are perverse, uh, once the FBI arrested him for that, he got a quick boost in the polls. Uh, Tudor Dixon, who is the nominee, uh, ended up winning and winning pretty handily. She got a late endorsement from Donald Trump. Now she is going to have to navigate a, uh, a waste race that was probably winnable. Um, but it's going to be much more difficult. Recent polling has uh, Gretchen Whitmer several points ahead of her. And I can tell you from living here, all the advertising they are running against her is about her position on abortion. Mm -hmm. There's little else that they are talking about. And the last time I checked, um, she is not a Tudor Dixon, that is, is not exactly flush with cash to be able to answer this or to be able to make the race about the thing that I'm sure she would want it to be about and would probably be better for her if it was about, which was the way Whitmer handled the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so it is... This is a state that is certainly not as reliably Democrat as it was in the past, uh, but it is it is another case where there are a number of races where the candidates the Republicans have put up because of uh, their, where they have been on things like uh, Donald Trump's uh, contention that the election was stolen um, are going to have a hard time being victorious in November. Willie Preston, Illinois is not a state that's been... Uh very cordial to Donald Trump in the past. Huh. Uh, you are a state senator-elect. Give everybody a brief background on what the uniqueness of your state senate district is. They may not know neighborhoods, but those listening around the country. So I have, I'm, I'm, my district, let's say, starts in Chicago. Um, and I have a, a significant amount of African-American population. Is that but the I, majority? That, that is... Um, I have about 47 percent, um, mm -hmm. but we have a mixture of that other um, 53 percent. We have a significant mm -hmm. Muslim population in, in some of my western suburbs, mm -hmm. a significant white population, and a growing Latino population. So it's, a, it's pretty mixed. If you go um, travel to the very eastern part of my district, you have, you know, poverty, 
but you have also a lot of older African-Americans who've done quite well for themselves and are stable. But if you travel, as you travel, travel west, I have a very strong working-class community, which is the real political base of my, of my district. And that's mostly African-American ward in the 18th ward, the mighty 18th ward. Is, this, is, is your district sort of a knee-jerk Democrat district? I mean, you're, you're running unopposed. So what do you Republic, mean when you say I mean, knee-jerk Democrat? Well, they will vote for whoever is the oh, Democratic yes. nominee. And you, you won a primary, by the way. We should mention that you were not anointed sure, to this office. Certainly you, not. You've got a free ride now uh, until the next primary season. Well, we're still running, though. But no, but we're still running, right. Well, we don't have, we don't have, no, so to, to um, we, Republicans wouldn't win our district. Um, I don't believe that, and I think they understood that. That's why they didn't put up a candidate. Do you believe, as Joe Biden said this past week, that mega Republicans are, they're extremists, that they, they're, they're, they're not the conservative Republicans that Joe Biden might have remembered in the past? No. I, there's a certain evilness to Trump Republicans. Do you believe that? Well, listen, I think that there are um, segments of evilness that have, have been overt um, inside of the MAGA supporters. Um, I think the, 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 but I think they're good people and bad people in all parties. I'll just say that. You know, I really do. And I, I, I should caution good, myself. Good people right. and bad people. I think, they're good, I think they're good people and bad people in every community. And I don't, you know, but I can tell you it is very difficult to find good people among the MAGA supporters because they particularly focus on divisive issues. You think about what's happening. We talk, just talked about nationally what's happening. Trump did a very good job getting a lot of his candidates across the primary and the Republican primary, but those particular candidates don't lack the appeal to the general election. It's why the Republicans are going to lose so, ter- so terribly. If you look at Arizona, they're pulling money out of did, that race. Did Trump do good things for the African-American constituents who live in your district? I think that some folks would say Trump did do some um, some positive things for African-Americans. Well, I would say that the president had a, a, an amazing opportunity to, to do, quite frankly, things that other Republicans um, never talked about. Okay. I think the First Step Act was a very good um, piece of legislation. It was written by Congressman um, Danny Davis, and the president supported it, and he used um, his, his his power at the presidency to do some good there. Was, that was, I was think, dealing with the incarceration. Dealing with the incarceration. I think that was I think that was very good. I think that President Trump had an opportunity to do some real good, but he couldn't get past his number one enemy, and that was President Trump. And so that was his own call. So now he's not the president. He won't be the president again. And I think that we now have to think about. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because African Americans, many of whom have been incarcerated, they obviously appreciate the second the, the second chance act. Yep, yep. They are constantly in their lives and maybe in the lives of their their fathers and their mothers. They have always been appreciative of someone that gives them a second chance. Sure. Donald Trump now is looking for a second chance. The general spirit and the cultural beliefs of African Americans will they are they likely to forgive Donald Trump and give him a second chance? I think African-Americans are going to forgive. I think you're right. I think your description is right. We are forgiving people. However, are you more religious than the general public, do you think? Um, I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that. But what I will say is I think people, are, black people are more forgiving. But I think black people have um, a, a deep distrust of the Republican Party. And that they were never with um, former President Trump, and I don't think they'll ever be with him politically. 
do have segments of folks who did appreciate some of the things that he did, but not enough to translate to any type of polit- political um, wins for him in our community. Josh, I know you wanted to weigh in on this. I'm very sorry we are out of time. So thank you very much for joining us. Eric Cohn, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, State Senator-elect Willie Preston, uh, who used to be a listener to this program when he was back in college, makes his first appearance. Our thanks also to Fritz Goldman for his assistance in production of this program. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 8-28-22. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.